0: Good morning thank you for joining me um, I apologize for the delay this week <clears throat> I also apologize for the lack of a video but uh, maybe hopefully you won't it won't bother you too bad uh, not to see my face this morning but I'll get that corrected this week um, if you would please turn over to the book of John chapter 11 That's John 11, and today we're going to be looking at a familiar account, but we will look a little further at something that may be unfamiliar to you. So right around the time I had become a Christian, I had a fairly heated debate with a very close friend of mine about the validity of the scriptures. Now this discussion ultimately resolved on this one question that he challenged me with, He said, you mean to tell me that you actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Now, obviously, my answer was yes, and that's where the conversation ended. But over the years, one thing that has always bothered me is that he never questioned any of the other biblical resurrections. We know that the Bible is the ultimate authority, but there are other historical documents that verify a lot of what the scriptures have stated not least of which is miraculous resurrections that Jesus Christ performed. So today we're going to look at one of these very accounts, probably the most famous, and we're going to look at the significance of the surrounding circumstances. So I'm in John 11. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 44. 1 through 44, and we're going to stop here and there. So verse one, it says, "Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with, an, with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now, I need to clarify something here. If you listened last week, this is not the same woman that we talked about last week in Luke chapter 7. The woman in Luke 7 is believed to be and historically recorded to have been Mary Magdalene. But this is referring to when Jesus came and died, dined with Mary and Martha. And Martha wanted Jesus to rebuke Mary for not helping with serving and the chores and things like that because she stayed at his feet. And this is recorded over in Luke 10. So let's not get those mixed up. Verses 3 and 4 it says so the sisters sent to him saying Lord he whom you love is ill but when Jesus heard it he said this illness does not lead to death it is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it now don't miss that it was God's sovereign will for Lazarus to be sick so that it would glorify God now, so many people today w- will try to tell you and convince you that it is never God's will that anyone would be sick. But this is simply not true. For instance, the blind man, uh, when they were asking Jesus, whose sin caused this man to be blind? Was it his or is it his parents? And and Jesus said, neither. It was so that God might be glorified through it. So this idea, this assumption that it's never God's will for someone to be sick is false. Now, most of us can think of at least one individual, possibly yourself, that has went through this very thing, a, a health scare of some kind. But you've went through it for this very reason, so that it might glorify God through it. Verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That, that's amazing. I don't want us to, to skim over that. Now, imagine if that was your name written there. Verse six says, "So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, 'Let us go to Judea again.' The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you not? Or, and are you going there again?' And Jesus answered." Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now, doesn't that seem a bit odd to us? So Jesus Christ knows that Lazarus is sick. Now, we know that because he's sovereign. He knows all things. But not only does he know, but now people have told him that Lazarus is sick is sick. And what does he do? You know, not only Lazarus is sick and is in need of healing, so everybody thinks that Jesus is just going to rush over there and heal him. But instead of going to him immediately, he not only waits, but he waits 2 days, and he not only waits 2 days, but he then goes somewhere else to minister. And not just anywhere, but he goes back to the place where he was almost stoned. Now that does not make much sense to us. But we have to remind ourselves that God is not like us and his ways are not our ways. Verse 11. It says, After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep... He will recover. Jesus. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Now it says, Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Now when I hear that, I imagine they know that Lazarus is sick, very sick, and, and then Christ tells them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And then they say, okay, well, if he's asleep, that's great. Then he'll recover, you know. And I I imagine Jesus sighing deeply. (sighs) Lazarus has died. And then what does he say? And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. Listen to that again. Lazarus has died, and for your sake, for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, "Let us also go that we may die with him." So let me pose a question before we move ahead: If Jesus would have went to Lazarus right away, would Lazarus have died? Now this is something that um, I kind of wanted to cover at a later time but we'll touch here in just a minute. So, so if Jesus would have went earlier, would Lazarus have died? Well, let's see verse 17. It says now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now that's significant. Okay. He didn't just die and flatline for a few minutes and they brought him back or something like that. He's dead. He's been dead. He's been buried. He's been, you know, he's been prepared, wrapped in the linen cloth, probably anointed with, um, That fragrant oil, that burial oil that we were talking about last week, placed in the tomb, the stone, rolled back over it. I mean, a pretty serious business, right? There's no mistaking, he's dead. Verse 18 says, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house now that shows a great deal of faith from from Martha what's verse twenty one say Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Well, there's our answer to our question, right? If Jesus would have been there right away, would lazarus would Lazarus have died? Well Martha says no, but that's not true that's not true that's that's what she she thinks would have happened that's what she asserts would have happened but here's here's the real answer to that question that we focus too much on what if we focus far too much on what if and by doing that we neglect what is now what I mean by that is I will catch myself daydreaming basically about what ifs, what if this would have been different, what if this would have been different, what if I would have gone this other way, you you know, whatever, how would my life be different today, if that was the case, and I'm just wasting time, because it doesn't matter, number one, but number two, that would have never happened, and let me explain why, because God is sovereign, he's truly sovereign. So, if God is truly sovereign, then what did happen, what is happening, and what will happen, will always happen. Because God ordained it to be so, and there is no alternative. Now, let me say that again. If God is truly sovereign, then what did happen, what is happening... And what will happen will always happen because God ordained it to be so and there is no alternative. So we cannot say, well, if you would have blah, 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 then this wouldn't have happened because that's not true. You know, I actually had an individual say that, that wasn't saved at a young age. And he said, so you're telling me that if I would have died at that age, which he's saved now. If I would have died at that age, that I would have went to hell. I have no idea. You know why? Because you didn't die. Like, that's it's pretty simple. Like, I'm not trying to uh, uh, split hairs here or just trying to win an argument. But you're making an assumption based on a what if. And I'm telling you what is. You're saved. And that's what matters. Now, in verse, um, verse 22, it says, But even now, this is Martha speaking. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. There's there's another uh, expression of the amount of faith that Martha has in Jesus. 23 says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die... Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, Martha gets neglected oftentimes, but Martha was a woman of faith also. And at no point are we told that she was not a woman of faith. At no point are we told that she was not regenerate. She had an immense amount of faith. She had enough faith to come and run to Jesus when she heard he was coming to beg that he heal her brother because she knows that he can heal him. But Martha shows us more of who we are than I think Mary does. Because when Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection, do you believe this? And she says, yes, I be- I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. That's amazing. Because I think that she really did. So what does she do? Does she just simply rest in that? Does she just trust in God's perfect will? Well, let's look and see. Verse 28. When she had said this, She went and called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. So another verse says that she went her way and secretly called Mary saying the teacher has come and is calling for you. So here's Martha. She says, I'm going out to Jesus. I'm going out to him. I'm going to petition him. I'm going to plead with him to raise my brother from the dead because I know that he can. Again, that's a great amount of faith. And he says that we that he is the resurrection. And she says, I believe that. And then she goes in secret and tells her sister Mary, the teacher is calling for you. So she thinks, Martha thinks, well, if he won't do it for me, maybe if I can get the ever faithful Mary to ask him, then maybe he will do it for her. But she lied. He didn't call for her. He didn't call for Mary. But what does Mary do? Verse 29. She believes that Jesus has called for her. In verse 29 it says, And when she heard it, she rose rose quickly and went to him. No hesitation. She gets up and goes. Verse 30. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews, who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she runs to him, much like Martha, she runs to his, to his feet, She fell at his feet in humility and then she makes the same statement that Martha does if you would have been here my brother wouldn't have died my brother would not have died 33 when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled and he said where have you laid him and they said to him Lord come and see Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? We do this constantly. We run to Jesus with our problems. We run to Jesus with our with our our trials, our struggles. And we tend to blame God when we are experiencing hardship. We tend to blame him. Mary and Martha are blaming him here, saying, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But you weren't here, so he did die. They're not, they're not blaming Lazarus and his sin. They're blaming Jesus for not being there. And we do this all the time. But then we often neglect crediting him with any success that we may have in this life. You know, we will pray. We will have a situation come up, and we will pray for that situation to be rectified. We will see it all of a sudden work itself out. And I'm putting that in quotes there. That It'll work itself out. And then we'll say, never mind, God. We got this. Right? That's, but that's how we operate. We, we don't see that it's him that, that performed that. That it's him that deserves the credit. And when we do this, when we blame God and we neglect crediting him with any success that we have, then we exchange the glory of a holy God for our own pride. Verse 38 says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew, I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me when he had said these things he cried out with a loud voice Lazarus come out or Lazarus come forth the man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth and Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go Praise God. What an amazing and miraculous work of God. Why did Lazarus die to begin with, though? Why did, why, why did his body see corruption? Why, why did he die to begin with? Because just like you and I, Lazarus was born into a fallen world in a fallen state. We were born into a world of sin, a world that encourages sin, with a sinful heart, with sinful desires. Now, I don't think to say that Lazarus was a righteous man would be too far of a stretch, but that does not mean that he was without sin. It is because he sowed the seed of sin that he has reaped or earned the wages of sin, which is death. So in this sense, we are no different from Lazarus. It is because of our sin that we have also earned our wages of death. It is because of our sin that we will also die. And just like Lazarus, no amount of our own good deeds that uh, can pardon us from our just sentence from God. Just like Lazarus, we are dead in our sins. We are dead in our sins just like Lazarus was dead physically. And what... Can a dead man offer? Nothing. We have nothing to offer as a justified payment for our sin. A dead man can offer nothing. He is dead. And nothing that we do in the flesh is righteous anyway. We are dead. Just like Lazarus, it is only by the supernatural call of Jesus Christ that any of us can come forth to new life. Only when Christ calls, when Christ calls, his children come. Just like when he he called uh, Simon and Andrew, when he called Simon and Andrew, they left their nets and they, they came. Just like when he called Lazarus from the tomb, he came. When he calls his children, they will come. Now, not only did Christ resurrect us from eternal death, but like Lazarus, he loosed us from our bondage. He loosed us from our bondage of sin. When we are brought into new life, into true life, we are no longer slaves to our flesh. We are no longer slaves to our deceitful hearts, and no longer slaves to sin, but through our redemption, Through Christ's sacrifice, God calls us his children, joint heirs in Christ. So we are no longer, for those of us that have been saved, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we have been set free so that we can now become slaves to righteousness. Now you would think after witnessing the most unbelievable miracle firsthand so because keep in mind there's a multitude here there's a huge crowd of people here that saw this that heard this jesus christ even said i say these things and i'm i say it this way because i want the people to hear me to know so they will know and believe that you sent me so you would you would think that after witnessing this that people would revere lazarus Let's see how the world treated Lazarus once he was brought back from the dead. Let's jump over to chapter 12, reading verses 9 through 11. It says, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. How did they treat Lazarus? They plotted to kill him. They plotted to kill him because he was evidence of Christ's deity. He was evidence of Christ's authority. He was evidence of Christ's sovereignty. And they hated him for it we should not be surprised then when we preach the truth of the gospel and are also ostracized for it. Now, when the people of this world are exposed to the truth of the scriptures, they try to find a way to snuff it out. We think we're being persecuted now. This is exactly how the, the people, the Christians in China and Russia and, and the Middle East are treated. That if you are a Christian... They're not just okay with you believing that. They want the very idea of that to be killed. They don't just want it to die, but they want to erase the very idea that it ever existed. This is why we can see history books being rewritten in America. This is why we can see science textbooks denying that their theories are in fact only theories. And why at the very mentioning of the name Jesus Christ, so many people recoil as if they've been slapped. Now, just in my lifetime, since being in school, it was okay, um, you know, people would say, well, it's okay if you believe that. It's okay if you believe in Christianity. It's, it's all That's fine. Just don't try to make me believe that. But now, just in a short few years... It's went from, you can believe that, just don't try to make me believe that, to now you are a fool for even suggesting that someone was raised from the dead, let alone that Jesus had authority over death. But make no mistake, this is not some new way of thinking. You know, even the Roman guard, this elite group of men that was set before the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, where where Christ was brought and buried... Even this elite group of men knew the truth. They witnessed the truth firsthand, and yet they denied the truth until death. We must not be deceived into thinking that because we are the minority regarding our worldview, that it is somehow incorrect. Do you remember the the? black and blue dress or the white and gold dress that big debate several years ago did you know like 78% of people saw it as white and gold 78% and the—and not even the remaining saw it as black and blue some of them said both but 78% that's a huge majority but did you know it's actually black and blue so just because The majority believe something does not make it correct miraculous things happen every day and for those of us that understand the source of those miracles it brings us to a place of worship but for most of the world they have exchanged the truth for a lie and they worship and serve created things rather than the creator himself So if you're struggling with something, if you're going through a trial, if you're even suffering, then rest in the fact that this may be your appointed time to bring forth the glory of God. This world and this life is fleeting and one day, much sooner than you might think, it will pass away. We will we will earn the same wages of our sin that Lazarus did, which is death. You know, even Lazarus, after being resurrected, he died an earthly death again. You know, he's not still walking around with us. There's nowhere in the scriptures that tell us that. But praise God for his mercy to bring us death. Now, that sounds pretty wild, but we should be praising God That he's showing us mercy through our death here. Because when he brings about the death of this life, then we can be united with him in his kingdom because of the sacrifice of his son. Without that, without death, we would just stay here. You know, when God, after Adam and Eve, ate of the tree. He sentenced them to death. Now, it wasn't immediate, but they did die. But it was merciful so that they might be reunited with him because God cannot have any part of this fallen world. He cannot be part of sin. Now, death may be terrifying to most. And as a matter of fact, it's the top, it's the number one fear in all the world is death. But for the reborn child of the Most High God, it will be a day of rejoicing when we return to our true home. You know, most of us have probably been to two types of funerals. Funeral of of the lost and of the, the sanctified. You know, if you've been to a funeral where someone was lost and everyone knew that they didn't truly believe in Jesus Christ based on the life that they lived, it's very sad. But for someone who has died has lived a life in pursuit of righteousness it is sad but it's a rejoicing it's a peace so today let us be reminded that no matter the struggles you may be going through that if you have been saved by God's perfect grace and mercy that this is the only hell we will ever experience This is as bad as it will ever be for us because our hope is not in this world, but it is in the one who created it. The one that knows you, the one that loves you, and the one that has promised to save you on the day of judgment if you only trust in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Father, remind us of your mercies. Father, don't let us neglect your miracles. Father, don't let us be accusers when things go wrong. But help us to glorify you in all situations. And Father, we thank you for the call that you've given us. We thank you for for calling us into righteousness father we know that it's because of your son that we can even communicate with you it's because of his sacrifice that we can be united with you father forgive our unfaithfulness forgive our unrighteousness and help us to grow in your word and in truth Write it on the stone tables of our hearts, Father, so that it may never perish. But so that it can take root and it can be evident in our flesh and our actions. We thank you and we love you and we praise you. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.